seized 20 seconds of insane courage, literally 20 seconds of embarrassing bravery, and said what you sensed the Holy Spirit was prompting you to say for the glory of God. I remember when someone in my life seized 20 seconds and said what I needed to hear. I was a summer session uh, freshman in college down in Southern California, living a life that wasn't God-honoring, hanging out at Wilshire Boulevard with some friends, and I noticed a cookie factory employee with a plate of cookies he was offering as a sample. I went up and I said, hey, do you mind if I, do you mind if I have one? He said, sure. His face just beamed. He just lit up. I needed that kind of encouragement. And I just asked him, I said, bro, why are you so happy? And he did it. He made a bold move. And he answered with one word. He said, Jesus. I needed him to carry out that insane courage and tell me the author of his joy. Can you relate to these moments of embarrassing bravery? You're standing before that neighbor with a full box of candy bars that need to be sold. You've got a couple days left. You knock on the door, you know it's going to be a strong no or a strong yes. You have no idea. But you know if you don't sell these bars, you owe your parents $60. (laughs) Or how about that? college application response letter that you've been waiting for for months. The college of your dreams is replying. The admissions department has provided you a letter. You start to open. And for that first 20 seconds, you're totally captivated by every word. Can you relate to the follow-up conversation of a final job interview hanging on every word? hoping that this job will be offered to you. Or hearing and or giving supervisory input and feedback. The first 20 seconds. Listening to the terms of a contract you were told you would never have. It wasn't possible, but you went forward in faith. You heard God's whisper that this was for you, 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 you went out in total embarrassment and you read that the contract was offered to you. Or the first 20 seconds of saying what needs to be said when the Holy Spirit that lives in your skin prompts you to say it. The children, they've already, they've already shared with us the bold reason we've gathered here today. We're celebrating that bold move God made some 2,000 years ago when he allowed his son Jesus to suffer on that apparatus, which has become the most internationally recognized symbol of compassion and a substitutionary death where God allowed and actually designed that his son would suffer for us. He willingly went to that moment because of the joy of having a reconciled relationship with you. Imagine that last day that we recognized last week. Today we gather to celebrate the days following when on Sunday, 
per his teaching, everything hung on these two events. He said of himself that I, I would die in Jerusalem and three days later I would resurrect from the dead. He didn't just resurrect and appear to a few. He appeared to over 500 for 40 days. The children gave us an introduction to the passage. I'm going to read it again. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to, the, to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and looking to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who is crucified. He's not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. So the women, they hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet full of joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This resurrection event that we honor on this Sunday is an event that God gave mankind with 40 days of empirical evidence given to Christians, to some 500 of them face-to-face that saw Jesus for 40 days. This event, down through the generations, has given global courage to stand firm in the face of persecution, imprisonment, desperation, and even, as we've experienced very recently, martyrdom. And they did so like these women that rushed to Jesus' tomb and went on to Galilee to tell his closest co-workers they did so with joy. When they all gathered with Jesus in Galilee, just north of Jerusalem, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. Obedience to Jesus' commission to go and share your Jesus story, like these two women did, with great joy and yet fear, necessitates a willing humility that risks embarrassment, rejection, persecution, and in some regions of our world, martyrdom. We're all becoming increasingly aware of this. And yet, it's what he, Jesus, our Lord, asks of us. Without sharing your Jesus story, there is no personal resurrection experience during this life. Jesus said, go and make disciples. I am with you always to the very end of the age. And yet, in the going and the sharing of your Jesus story, the Lord knew that it would bring about personal transformation. Without sharing your Jesus story, there's no personal resurrection experience. There's no suffering. There's no rejection. There's no embarrassment. 
There's no courage required if you keep Jesus to yourself. There's no joy. I'll never forget, as a young teenager, getting ready to run the 400 against one of the fastest quarter-milers, actually the second-fastest half-miler in the country, Eric Schimmerhorn, future USC scholarship athlete. I was just mesmerized by the guy. He was 6'5". He was winning our region in the 220, the 440, the half-mile, and the long jump. He had long legs, and they moved faster than my short legs. And I just went up to him one day before we were about to race. I, I knew I, it wasn't looking good for me. He had already run the quarter in previous meets in the 48s, which is, which is really fast for a high school student. And I just went up to him, and I said, bro, what's your trick? How'd you get so fast? He made a bold move. He seized the moment to say what needed to be said in one word. I'll never forget it. He looked at me and he said to my question, how did you get so fast? He said, Jesus. Oh, I knew it was over. I was going to lose that race. There was no question. (laughs) Folks, he resurrected my faith by sharing his Jesus story. When you share your story, when you give witness to the name Jesus, when you just say his name in an honoring way, you personally experience the risk of embarrassment, shame, but also the possibility of personal joy and resurrection right now in this life that we live. In the going and in the sharing of your Jesus story, the Lord knew that it would bring about resurrection. Without sharing your story, there's no personal resurrection experience. Resurrect your faith by sharing your Jesus story. Author of The Insanity of God, Nick Ribkin, director of the Hope Project in Somalia for six years, captured the testimony of a 20th century European, Eastern European Christian who suffered for witnessing for the gospel. His name was Stoyan, a common name in Eastern Europe. When Stoyan was 12, they imprisoned his father, and there was little hope of his father ever getting out of prison, for the Eastern Europeans had incarcerated 10,000 prisoners, they called political prisoners. They were deemed as threats to the state. They were Christ followers. Near the end of his term, Guards made one last cruel attempt to break him. They informed the pastor that, if, that he was scheduled for execution. They took him outside, tied him to a pole, and offered him one last opportunity to deny his faith. If he would not deny his faith, they told him, he would be shot. He straightened his back, stood tall, and declared, I will not deny Christ. Bold move. The guards became furious with him. Then, much to his surprise, instead of escorting him back to his cell, they took him to the prison wall. They unlocked the gate, they opened a door, and literally threw him out of the prison without a word of explanation. He was so shocked by what just happened that he didn't know what to do. The guards had no authority to take his life that day. His confession of Jesus publicly resulted in a resurrection-like experience. When you take that step of 
insane courage and embarrassing bravery, and you give testimony to Jesus. You give honor to him. You refer others to him. You are resurrecting your faith by sharing your Jesus story. When Stoyan reflected on his father's confession in prison and his, and his own suffering, he said, I thank God that, and I take great joy in knowing that I was suffering in prison so that you, the author Nick, could actively be free to share your faith in Jesus in the United States. Kentucky author Nick Ripkin said, those words pierced my soul. I looked Stoyan straight in the eyes and I said, don't do that. You cannot put that on me. You're not going to put that one on me. That's a debt I could never pay off as an American. Stoyan looked straight back at him and said, son, that's the debt of the cross. He leaned forward and he, he poked Nick in the chest and with his finger, he continued. He said, don't steal my joy. I took great joy that I was suffering in my country so that you could be free to witness in your country. Then he raised his voice in prophet-like challenge that I knew would live with me forever. And he said, don't ever give up in freedom what we would never have given up in persecution. You know there are God-fearing families that are suffering for Jesus Christ on our planet this morning that are hoping we will use our freedom to witness the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Don't ever give up in freedom what others would never give up in persecution. This is our witness to the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Friends, fellow sacramentans, I want to propose that we are giving up in freedom what other Christians worldwide would never give up in persecution. I would propose that our personal witness of Jesus is something we take for granted. Our freedom to witness for Jesus is something we take for granted. And I want to challenge you this morning to actually step out and lock on to 20 seconds of courage. In just a moment, I'm going to ask that those that are seated at the far end of each aisle, if you would reach down right now and grab the blue baskets that are below your aisle seat, whoever's seated on the furthest part of this aisle, I, I need to lean on you to help me here. I want you to reach out and grab those buckets, lift them up, take out of a bucket a piece of cardboard and a Sharpie pen, and pass your bucket. And I'd like to encourage everyone to join me in a bold move this morning by taking out a piece of cardboard and one of these Sharpies. If you came with a family, it may be necessary for you guys to share one or two. And as these are passed out, I'm going to challenge you to a bold move. You know, before we can grasp the full meaning of the resurrection, we have to witness or experience the self-denial of crucifixion. If we spend our lives so afraid of suffering, so averse to sacrifice, that we would avoid even the risk of persecution, 
then we might never discover the true wonder, joy, and power of a resurrected faith. Ironically, avoiding the suffering could be the very thing that prevents us from partnering deeply in the risen Jesus. Satan's greatest desire is to keep the people of this planet leaving Jesus alone. Satan desires that we turn away from Jesus or that we never find him in the first place. If Satan cannot be successful at that, then he desires to keep believers quiet, to diminish or silence our witness, and to stop us from bringing others to Christ. Folks, this morning, I want to challenge you with the piece of cardboard that perhaps has made its way to you and the Sharpie. In a few words, I want to challenge you to describe on one side of this piece of cardboard what you were like before you met Jesus. I wrote seeking order, purpose, and reason at age 12. That's what I was like before. Wasn't raised in the church, didn't go at all, maybe once a year with extended family only to an event like this. And then on the back, I'd like you to write what happened after you encountered him. I wrote discovered order, purpose, reason, and unconditional love. What would you write this morning? In just a few words, describe what you were like before you encountered Jesus personally. And then in just a few words, describe what you are like now, having encountered Jesus personally. You may be here this morning and saying, uh, never been there, done that. Uh, okay, not doing the cardboard testimony. Uh, stay away from me. We get that. We're a come-as-you-are church. We want you to be yourself this morning. But would you give me a few minutes to, to ask a couple questions? If you've never encountered Jesus personally, what would hold you back from making a bold move to begin a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Surely it's not human reason. Surely there's enough archaeological, enough historical, enough textual, enough scientific evidence to give legitimacy to the death of an innocent man and his bodily resurrection from the dead. Who was that man? Have you considered who he was in your life? Surely human reason wouldn't keep you from making the bold move of trusting him. Surely it's not because you don't think you're good enough. If you don't think you're good enough, welcome. We all have come to the same conclusion. None of us are. Maybe it's because you don't feel it. While feelings are important, our faith is first based on facts. Facts are your friends. The fact is that Christ died for our sins as a substitutionary ticket for us. And then gave evidence of all of his teaching by resurrecting from the dead. Place your life on the cornerstone of those facts. Make a decision today for the first time to trust in Jesus by taking out your Sharpie and writing Jesus. And on the back for the first time writing yes in the next few minutes you're going to see some cardboard testimonies some real 
God-honoring honesty from some of our folks here. During this song, Broken Vessels, you're going, to, you're going to see testimonies, and I'm going to challenge you to write down yours. And then I'm going to come back at the conclusion of the song. And I'm going to challenge you to 20 seconds of bravery by lifting up your cardboard testimony and declaring Jesus your Lord. Folks, we live in a culture where believers who do not share their faith aid and abet Satan's ultimate goal of denying others access to Jesus. Our our silence makes us accomplices. Experience and bravery and get ready to raise up your card. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He is risen. He's our hope. He's our testimony. Please remain standing. I want to ask you to imagine the immediate resurrection of your faith if you started sharing 20 seconds of insane courage and actively started sharing your Jesus story. If you started seizing 20 seconds of embarrassing bravery and actively started sharing your Jesus story, whose hearts would be touched, brought life, and given Jesus hope by simply admiring your unabashed bravery to reference the author of your personal goodness that comes from the cross alone and, and to the one who's the author of the peace and the joy that you're experiencing in your life. Before you leave today, I want to challenge you to take this cardboard testimony, place it in your back pocket, in your purse, your bag, in your Bible, I want you to take it to the next meal that you have, whether it be brunch or a late lunch or dinner tonight. And if you're not hosting, I want you to ask for permission on this resurrection day to witness Jesus by sharing your story briefly. Botch it up, chop it up, less is more. It might be ugly. Less is more. But let folks know that before you met Christ and were transformed, this is where you were. And now that you've met him, you're a new person in him. You see, there's a lot of, a lot of change coming to our immediate area. We've got lots of new homes being built. We're excited about lots of new commercial buildings going up. A new vision for our current sleep train arena will be cast in November. But what I'm excited about is developing our story, sharing our Jesus story with this community of 17 different languages right here in Sacramento and being a strong witness with all the other Christ-following, Bible-centered Christ-centered churches in our community because I think that the church is the hope of our community. I believe the church is the hope of our community and that we resurrect when we share our Jesus story. Won't you do that today? As you go to lunch today, to brunch or to dinner, I challenge you to 20 seconds of insane courage Share your Jesus story and experience 
the resurrection that comes from the risk of shame or embarrassment. Before Jeremy comes on and closes our service, won't you celebrate his resurrection with us now? Let me say a prayer. Father, thank you for this gift of the incredible evidence of your son's bodily resurrection. Help us resurrect personally by following your disciples and sharing our Jesus story without shame, without embarrassment. Please embolden us, infuse compassion in us. Please be Christ of our church, of all the Bible-based, Christ-centered churches in our community and of our immediate Natomas region. In Jesus' name, amen.